Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. How you doing, church? Are you good? This side's good. I don't know about you, you guys not get your coffee this morning. What's the deal? I said, how you doing, church? Are you good? Well, I am espresso elated, Red Bull excited today to preach to you. Is that all right? Just doing worship. I can't let this go. Doing worship. It was the most amazing thing. When we went into the last song and, and we just started and said, walking around these walls, all of you were singing. I could hear it behind me. It was amazing. And I had this vision pop in my heart. And it was of Gideon and his army. He had thousands and thousands of troops. And they went down. To, he said, God told him, we've got to cull some of these people. Not cull them, but just disconnect them from the force that I need, right? Cull's the wrong word. Anyways, I've wrecked the moment. Holy Spirit, come back. So he said, I need, you, I need to make this force um, down to 300. This is what I need. Because if you do with the amount of people that you have, you'll start to credit, take the credit and not me. So he said, take them down to the river and watch how they drink. This is so important, church. He said, watch how they drink. And I saw this when we were singing. All of you guys were singing it. I just saw there's a 300 coming up. Come on, church. There's a 300 that are learning how to drink. They're learning how to drink of the Spirit of God. And I saw this living water flowing. And there's a 300 in this season. Can I tell you, 2021 needs 300 Christians that know how to partake of the Spirit of God in this place. Can I get an amen? There's a 300. That has absolutely nothing to do with what I wanted to preach to you about. But God told me, so I told you. How good is the Spirit of God? There's one person. I'll take it. Can we just take a moment to invite His presence just to rest on us today? Is that all right? Holy Spirit, come and move in this place, Lord God. Come and do what only you can do. Touch your people, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we know you're here, so we turn our attention towards you right now. Lord God, we just look at you right now. Jesus, let your words speak to your people, because you love them. Amen, amen. Wow, today I've had this burning on my heart. I want to, yeah, you guys can sit, or you can stand, that's cool too. I had this burning on my heart, and there's so much I could talk to you about. Like, so much. There's so much happening in the world right now. Our world's going crazy, am I right? Far out. Like, what the heck? Have you guys watched the news or the stuff lately? I just stopped watching it. These guys are crazy. Anyway, so there's a lot I could talk to you about. I could talk about how the church needs to expand past its four walls. I could talk about how Christians need to expand their faith's horizon and look further into God and press, press into more. And there, I could talk about God's faithfulness in every season. No matter what happens, He's always there. His hand's always there. And they're all good things to talk about. But I am here to talk to you about something, about someone that makes all else pale in comparison. I'm here to talk about Jesus. I said, I am here to talk about Jesus. Is there 300 people here that just want to hear about Jesus in this place? Because I'm here to tell you to look again. 
Someone say with me, look again. We'll try again. Look again. Look again. Oh, I'm here to point you to Jesus. Because can I tell you, in one look you can find salvation. In a look you will become a new creation. With one look at the anointed one. Everything else craving your attention fades away. Because when you look at his blazing face, you'll see a brighter day, church. Look again. Someone say, look again. Look again. again. Can I read you some scripture? Is that all right? If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. If you have tablets which you inscribe things on, take, pull them out as well. But we're going to turn to 1 John chapter 1. We're just going to start at the beginning and see how far we get. How's that sound? I'm going to start reading. We saw him, our very own eyes, with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him, the one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God. Verse 2, this life giver was made visible. Thank you, Jesus. And we have seen him. And we testify this truth today. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the Father and has dawned upon us now. So we proclaim to you what we have seen. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about this life giver so that we may share with you this life together. For truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus, the Anointed One. We are writing these things to you because we want to release to you our fullness of joy. Who needs fullness of joy in this place? Come on, rise your hand. Just stuff's not going right. New Year's, the revolution, you've already failed. Like, what happened? You know what I mean? We need fullness of joy. And can I tell you, I've read this scripture to set the stage. I am here to teach you how to look again at Jesus. Because can I tell you, I've been in his presence recently and he is good. And he is faithful and he is beautiful and he wants to release to you peace today. He wants to release joy into your life today. Can I tell you, Beethoven once said that God is like an ocean of happy rest. An ocean of happy rest? Have you guys ever seen a child? They walk down to the water and they're like playing in it but they want to show the water to their parent or whoever's there. So they scoop up some water and then they run back. (laughs) And like all the water has dripped out of their hands. And they might do this a couple times and it's like, I don't know what happened. You know what I mean? I kind of feel that, like that today. All I've got maybe is just glistening on my hands from the water of the Holy Spirit, this living water. But can I pray? Today I pray that you see Jesus afresh today because I'm not here to teach you more about our ministry or a church, or a worship service. I'm here to give you a better revelation of who our God is, of who our Jesus is today. Is that all right? I said, is that all right? Oh, that's good. We're a happy church today. Can I read you some more scripture? I'm going to take you to one of the more neglected Bibles, uh, books of the Bible, one of the less neglected Bibles. There we go. One of the more neglected books of the Bible, there's two of them, and I'm preaching from both today, so get ready. I'm going to take you to Revelations. But I'm going to take you to the very last chapter. 
And I'm actually going to take you to the point where it's Jesus' last mention of the church in the Bible. Now, who knows if someone's leaving or if someone, it's the last thing they say. You normally take extra attention to what the last thing they say is. Is there any kids in the house? If your mum leaves and she tells you as the last thing, do the dishes before I come home, you pay attention to that because there could be a pretty good consequence when you get home if they're not done. Am I right? So this is the last time the church is mentioned in the Bible. And do you know what it calls us? Can I read it to you? Is that all right? So Revelations 22, verse 17, it says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Can I tell you, theologians actually think it should read, The Spirit in the Bride says, Come. Do you know that we're called a bride? If you're a part of this church, not so much like a tender church, but if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're called a bride. There's men in here already like, ooh, um, ah. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle this. Is this going to be one of those lovey-dovey sermons? Yes. I'm sorry if that annoys you. The pastor will be back next week and I won't be here, all right? So you can take it up with him. The spirit and the bride say come. So the last mention of the church, we're called a bride. Do you think we should take notice of that? Yeah. Because can I tell you, if we are to be the bride, we have to learn how to be the bride. Can I tell you how you do that? <laughs> to learn how to be the bride or to see yourself as a bride, you must first see Jesus as bridegroom. You must first see Jesus as bridegroom. Because can I tell you, Jesus isn't coming back for a loveless church. Jesus is coming back for a bride. Can I tell you, he's not coming back for theologians. Because if he was, you better read every book you can get your hands on. Jesus isn't coming back for warriors. Otherwise, we better all buy a gun. Jesus isn't coming back for Olympians. Otherwise, we all must have to hit the track. Jesus is coming back for a bride. And can I tell you why this is good, church? Oh, this makes me excited. The only requirement for a bride is love. The only requirement for a bride is love. So when he comes back, he's looking for a people that love him. He's looking for a bride. Oh, can I take you to some more scripture? Is that all right? As he's turning there, I'm going to get a drink because I am excited. So I'd love for you to turn to me, to, with me to Songs of Solomon. We're going there. Oh, look out. Songs of Solomon or Songs of Songs, whatever it says in your Bible. If you want to turn, turn to chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 10 onwards, but I want to give you a bit of a recap of this chapter. Is that all right? So in Songs of Solomon, we see some characters. We see a king. And we see a starry-eyed bride and a bride that's in love with her king and a king that is in love with her bride. And can I tell you, this book is so much more than just dating advice. So much more. But like my daughter, I would not let her do some of the stuff that's in this, this book. It's not dating advice. It's about Jesus and his bride. It's about Jesus and his church. So reading, knowing that in light of what we're about to read, I'm going to tell you the story of chapter 5. So here we have the king. 
and he prepares a banquet celebrating his bride. And they invite all, of the, all her friends, all their friends, all the people from around, and they're having this banquet, and the banquet's amazing. There's all this stuff going on, beautiful food, beautiful people, lovely worship, all this stuff. But then afterwards, the bride, the, the, the Bible says that her love fades. Her, her, her desire in her heart wanes a bit. It says she goes to bed. She goes back to her house and goes to bed. And it says that she puts on her nighty, puts on her sleeping clothes, her pajamas, her sweatpants, and jumps into bed because it's a cold night. And she's in there, but she still just remembers what the bridegroom looks like. And it says that there's a deep stirring in her heart and she hears a knock at the door. Can you guess who it is? It's the bridegroom. And he's knocking and he's knocking and this stirs her, but it's not enough because her love has become lazy and it's faded in her heart. And she says, oh, my beloved, I can't get up. I've already taken on my dress and my sweatpants already on. I don't want to go into this cold night. It's raining outside. I'm not, I don't want to do that. And so what happens is the bridegroom, Jesus, he puts his hand through the door and she sees him again. She sees the hand of God. She sees the hand of the bridegroom. Can I tell you, Jesus has his hand and he's calling for your attention today, church. He says, just look at me. If you'll look at me, you'll see my beauty. If you look at me, your heart will burn with desire for me again. Just look. And she sees him. You know, another, another translation of that, when, when the bridegroom says she doesn't want to come, come out, it says, your righteousness has already purified me. What more do you want? How many of us have done that in this place? God, you saved me. That's enough. God, you've delivered me from sin. You've forgiven my sin. I know that, but that's enough. I'm okay. I'm just going to do my thing now. I know I'm going to heaven. But Jesus says, just look at me. Just look at my hands. Can you see the holes in my hands? Just look and you'll be captivated again. And this is where... Oh, not quite yet. I'll keep, I'll keep elaborating. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited. And so she, she gets up because she sees her beloved's hand put through the door despite all the obstacles. Jesus just puts his hand in and she sees him and she remembers his beauty. She remembers his face, the gaze, the eyes. She remembers that his eyes burn with fire and his hair's like wool and his feet are like brass. This is amazing. She remembers his beauty and she's captivated again. So she gets up and she goes outside longing to be with her beloved. But he's gone. Almost in desire of a pursuit of love. And so she's running around Jerusalem. And in that time, you weren't meant to be out at a certain time. So they had people walking around the, the walls of the city, walking through the city, looking out to make sure there was no invaders coming in to take the city. They're called the watchmen of the night. And they see her and they, what are you doing out here? Get back inside. And they actually beat her. And she's on the ground and she says, Oh, daughters, brides-to-be, daughters of Jerusalem, if you see my beloved, tell him, I am lovesick for him. Oh, we're getting into dangerous territory here. I am lovesick for my beloved. And they say to her, who is your beloved, oh beautiful one, that you would go through all of this just to be with him? 
just to be with him. And this is where we pick up. Are you ready? I said, are you ready, church? Verse 10, chapter 5. He alone is my beloved. There is no one else. I said, there is no one else. He is dazzling. Do you know what dazzling means, church? Because I had to look it up. It means when space and time is suspended because you're blinded by the light. Can I tell you, when you look at him, all the multiplicities of this world, all the things that are distracting you, pulling at each other's side, they all freeze when you look at his face. Woo! He is dazzling, yet still so approachable. Without equal, he stands above all others. He is the chiefest among 10,000. Charles Spurgeon wrote, There's no such word as chiefest, but such are the ways of God that you make up words and syllables to describe something you've never seen. This is our God. This is our God. Well, chiefest what? 10,000 what? 10,000 whatever you want, my friends. Because 10,000 shepherds pale in comparison to the great shepherd. Can I tell you, 10,000 doctors can't do the miraculous work of the great physician. Can I tell you, 10,000 kings could never be as great as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And 10,000 lovers could not do what the bridegroom can do for you. Oh, this is our God. Verse 11, the way he leads me is divine. His leadership is so pure and defined as he wears his crown of glory upon upon his crown are the letters of black written on a background of glory he sees everything with such pure understanding how beautiful his insights without distortion do you need some things in your life clarified look again someone say look again is the media distorting everything you see just look again Look again, church. His eyes rest upon the fullness of the river of revelation, flowing so clean and pure. Looking at his gentle face, I see such fullness of emotions. Are your emotions running wild? Can I tell you? Just look at his face. Just look at his face because he will release fullness of peace, fullness of love, and fullness of emotion in your life today. Like a lovely garden where fragrant spices grow. What a man. What a man. What a man. No one speaks words so anointed as this one. Words that both pierce and heal. Words like, dripping, words like lilies dripping with myrrh. See how his hands hold unlimited power, but he never uses it in anger. For he is always holy, displaying his glory, his innermost Place is a work of art, so beautiful and bright. How magnificent and noble is this one, covered in majesty. He's steadfast. I said he's steadfast in all he does. His ways are the ways of righteousness based on truth and holiness. None, I said none can rival him, but all will be amazed by him. Most sweet are his kisses. Even his whispers of love. Can I tell you, 
The reason why we gather in, in a church like this, in a group setting, is so we can experience a demonstration of His power. But can I tell you, there are things of God that can only be experienced in private. The sweetness of His kisses. Has Jesus kissed you recently? Have you met in the innermost places behind locked doors and met with Him? Because He is sweetness divine. He is delightful in every way, perfect from every viewpoint. If you ask me why I love him so, brides to be, it is because he is altogether lovely. Everything about him fills me with holy desire, and now he is my beloved, my friend forever. My friend forever. My friend, forever. I'm going to keep saying it until someone says amen and realizes that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And even in 2020, he never left my side. He was always there. And when I gazed at his face, everything stood still because he dazzled me. Can I tell you, I find myself praying more like this. Dazzle me, Jesus. Dazzle me. I actually don't ask for breakthrough as much. I don't ask for for healing miracles as much. I just ask him to dazzle me. Because everything else works when I am captivated with him. Woo! Man, I know. I know what you're thinking. I know it. Well, I don't get all this lovey-dovey stuff and adoration and marriage. I mean, I'm a man. I'm not a bride. Can I point you to another man in the Bible? Is that all right? There's, a man, there's many men in the Bible known by many men. Many, there's many men in the Bible known by many names. Noah was known for building an ark. Moses was known for leading the people out of Israel. Abraham was known as the father of faith. John, the disciple of Jesus, was known as a friend of God. John the Baptist was known as John the Baptist. (laughs) Peter was known as the rock on which my church will be built. Not my church, his church, God's church. But there's a man, there's a man in the Bible known for us as a man after God's own heart. I'm talking about King David. You know, King David, he was a warrior. He was a man's man. You know, he was the type of guy that, if you know, if you described him, he's the type of person that would cut off the hands of his enemy and mail them to their family. Like, he was wild. Like, next level. He, he, he started his life as a shepherd, killing bears and lions with a piece of leather and a stone. How gangster, how much more gangster does it get? Like, honestly. He took down a giant and cut off its head. Cut off its head. How many men have done that this morning? Not many. This was a man's man. But when we look at his diary, I said when we look at his diary, can I read you some of this man's diary? Can I read you the diary of the man after God's own heart? Psalm 64, O God of my life, I am lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst 
with the deepest longings to love you more, with cravings in my heart that can't be described, such yearnings grip my soul for you, my God. Psalms 84. Deep within me are these love-sick longings, desires and daydreams of living in union with you. When I'm near you, my heart and when I'm near you, my heart and my soul will sing and worship you with joyful song. For you, my true source and wellspring of life. What pleasures fill those who live every day in your temple, enjoying you as they worship in your presence? Psalms 95. For, for we are the lovers he cares for. And he is the God we worship. I worship you, Jesus, right now. So deep, everything else. So drop, so deep. So drop everything else and listen to his voice. Psalms 119. I am lovesick with yearnings for more of your salvation. For my heart is intertwined with your word. Has anyone been in a long-distance long relationship in this place? Anyone? You would know that you could spend 24 hours with the person you love, but the moment you have to leave, you wish you had 25. Am I right? Am I right? You could spend a whole weekend, but the next day when you're not there, you are infected with the sickness of love. Not corona, the sickness of love. Oh, can I tell you this? This is a viral infection amongst the church. Love sickness. Oh, to be in love with Jesus. Can I tell you about another man? I want to talk to you about Moses. So we're going to pick this up. If you want to turn to Exodus, you're doing a lot of turning or swiping or whatever you're doing. Exodus 3, and we're just going to start from the beginning. And this is another man that saw, that saw God, that looked unto Jesus, looked unto God. Says now, so chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2. There was an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames, flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but did not burn up. So Moses thought, you know, I'll just go over and, and see what this strange sight is. Why the bush does not burn up? Wouldn't that be a strange sight? Like, there's a fire on a bush. A bush, not a tree, a bush. And no matter how long he looked at it, it just never went out. This is the most amazing part. Are you ready for this? Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. God called him, called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Young people, can I tell you, stop searching for your identity because it's found in him. Can I tell you, when you look, God gives it to you. I said, when you look, just like this, when God saw that Moses went over to look, when God saw that Moses gave his attention to the manifest presence of God, which was a bush on fire, he gave him his name, Moses, Moses. 
Can I tell you, fullness of identity is not finding yourself, it's losing yourself in Him. Can I say that again? Fullness of identity isn't found in finding yourself, it's in losing yourself in Him. He will give you your name. Oh, we, lo- we live by looking. We live by looking. One of my favorite preachers, Michael Culliano, says, For my heart to love Him constantly, I must see Him constantly. Look again, church. Someone say, look again. Someone else say, look again. We live by looking. Do you want to be a better witness? Look again. In that story from Song of Solomon, the the, the bride, she was being beaten by these people and she still called them brides to be. Do you want to be a better witness? Look again. Do you want to hear more of his secret whispers? Look again. Do you want to be blessed? He is blessing. Look again. Do you wish to obtain more wisdom? He is wisdom unto me. Are you weary? He is my continuous rest. Look again. Because in his presence there is fullness of joy. Look again. Oh, for my heart to love him constantly, I must see him constantly. Oh, we look to you right now, Lord Jesus. Right now, just turn your attention to God. Just look, just look, just look. Jesus, we honor you. We worship you. We worship you, Lord God. How do we look? Matt, you've told me a lot about looking. You told me a lot about becoming the bride. But how do we look? What does this mean? How do we look? We look in the Spirit. We look in the Spirit. What? To look in the Spirit, to see God who is Spirit, we must look in the Spirit. To look at God naturally is like trying to taste something with your elbow. It just doesn't work. You can try and it won't happen for you. Can I tell you, every faculty we have in the natural, we have in the spiritual as well. So how do we look? How do we look, Matt? Looking is done by adoration. What is adoration? Adoration is our loving attention to Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Looking to God is our adoration. What is our adoration? Our loving attention to the person of God, Jesus. We look again, we look again. You know, the world's trying to do this through, through religion. They've tried to be spiritual naturally. And we can see where that's got them. This is not a religious church. This is a church that gives our adoration to Jesus. We are a church that not just tries to look good on the outside, to prove something to someone else. We're here for God. And we're here to give our attention to God. Amen. We're here to love Jesus because we know in Him is fullness of life. He is not just resurrection or just life. He is resurrection and life. If it was one or the other, he would have called Lazarus out of the grave and he would have stood up and then fallen back down if he was only resurrection. But he resurrected him and then he put his own life in him to sustain him. That's what he does for us every time we turn our attention. He goes, here's my life. Here's my resurrection power. Walk in me. Walk in me. Do my works. My spirit is flowing through you. This is what it means to live a life of adoration. Look again. Someone say, look again. 
If you're looking for a word from God, look no further than his presence. Because his presence is his person and his presence always, I said always, proceeds his words. Just like we read in Exodus, Moses saw his manifest presence and then God spoke. You want to get a word from God? Look again. Can I tell you, if you go away and you go into his presence and you just give him your adoration and you expect a word from God that you can write on the paper, you might not always get it. But can I tell you, if you go into the presence of God in adoration, he will always minister to you something intentionally. I'm going to say that again. If you go into the presence of God in adoration, he will always minister to you something intentionally. You might not be able to walk out there with, out of that place with words on a page, but you will have understanding in your spirit. It's quiet in here. Did I move over to the church next door? What's the go? Well, you can laugh. You're not dead, so that's good. I believe this might be controversial for a psalm, and I'm almost done. I won't hold you back any longer. I believe woo, this is going to go over good. I believe that the bridegroom is looking for a Cinderella church. I believe the bridegroom is looking for a Cinderella church. What, what do you mean by that? Do you remember the original story of Cinderella? I was in God's presence late at night. And I said, I was just there just loving on him. Jesus, I just love you because you're everything to me. I said, Lord, if there's anything I could do better, what is it? And he says, I want you to become a Cinderella church. And I had to go back because I haven't watched Cinderella since I was a little kid, I promise. Anyways, I had to look it up on YouTube. And there's a scene there when Cinderella goes to the ball and she sees the prince. Oh, she sees the prince. And, they, and the, the prince simultaneously is captivated with her. So they're looking at each other. And they're dancing, and we hear this song. Mm, mm, so this is love. This is why life is divine. Mm, this is love. Do you remember it? These guys are laughing, but you'll find out it's so true. So Jesus is looking for a Cinderella church. So when, so when Cinderella leaves the ball, because, you know, the, the clock strikes 12 and all the magic stuff is, you know, falling off and she's running and, you know, the, the pumpkin's turning back into a pumpkin and she gets home and she goes back into her normal circumstances, her normal atmosphere, her normal environment with the stepmother and the stepsisters. And she just gets back into the same spot and she goes back to... Being a servant girl. And she's there and she's mopping the floor, but she remembers the look. Mm. So this is love. Mm. No, this is what it means to be a Cinderella church. It means to be attentive to his presence and ad giving adoration to his person. You know why? Because when you see God in the mundane, He makes the mundane miraculous. Because His presence can invade you wherever you are. Some of you tomorrow, when you go back to work, you need to write that down and read it. When you're going back to your work, you know, the, your mums, 
in the morning you're washing the dishes and I will wash this dish for you. Mm-hmm. This is love. I will mop these floors for you. Mm-hmm. This is love. I will cut this pipe for you. It's my job, I'm a plumber. You know, I believe one day in glory when we go to meet Jesus and we stand before him and he says, I want to show you something. And he's going to take me, this isn't scriptural, but this is what I think might happen. He's going to take you to this big long hallway and there's going to be these chambers off the side and and we're going to go to a door and above the door there's going to be a, a sign that says, this is Matt's life lived for me. And he goes, I want to show you what's in this room. And he shows you. And I walked in and I, I expect to see movies pr- playing of when I was preaching or when I was playing guitar or, or when, when I got to pray for people and I saw miraculous miracles happen. I didn't see any of that. I didn't see ministries. I didn't see anything like that. But what I saw was a, was a plumbing saw on a stand. And it still had my teardrops still on the saw. And he says, Matt, do you remember this? Do you remember this moment? This is when you loved me in the heat of the day. And you gave me your attention. Although everyone else was living like devils, you give your attention to me. This is what I remember. I remember love. And then in the corner over there, there's this chair. And this is, he says, Matt, do you remember this chair? This is where you sat late at night and early in the morning and you just put aside everything else that you thought was necessary and important and you made me your priority. This is the chair. Can I tell you, Jesus is coming back for ones that love him. But you say, Matt, Matt, I did his work. You know, I was in church when it was hard, you know. I was in church when it was hard, when we didn't have aircon and we didn't have lights and we had... We didn't have a projector. We had an overhead projector. You know when church was hard? Charles Spurgeon also wrote, No amount of service for the king can ever make up from neglect of the king. Can I tell you, you need to give him your adoration today. You need to give him your adoration today. Is this making sense, church? He is coming back for a bride, which is a people that love him. I'm going to finish up with this, and if the band can come back up, I know I've gone over time, but I think it's okay. I pray that you find yourself withdrawing to a quiet place to receive a grace that only comes by looking at his face. Jesus, we look to you. Jesus, we love you. Why don't you stand with me today, church? We're just going to go into a time of adoration, and we're going to worship him. Oh, I pray the day is coming when a church service revolves around us giving him adoration to the person of Jesus and nothing else. Just us coming to love him in one accord. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we honor you. Oh, we love you, Lord. Just in your own words, church, just tell him. Just tell him what he's worth to you. Jesus, we honor you. Oh, Lord. Jesus, we're here for you. We look to you, Lord God. 
You are where our hope comes from, Jesus. It's you, nothing else. Oh, this world is vanity and it's fading fast, but you are eternal. Oh, Lord, we look to you, Jesus. We look to you. We look to you, Jesus. If you're in this place and you say, well, I don't know. I don't know a love like this. I don't know what it means to be a bride of Christ or to to give adoration or I don't know what's going on within me. The Spirit of God, what is that? Can I tell you, I'm going to make an opportunity for you to respond and for you to receive Jesus. Not just as your Savior, but as your Lord. Just as your Lord. Can I tell you, if your life is turmoil right now, there is an opportunity right here for you to exchange your life and receive His. This isn't a renewing of your life. It is an exchange. It is a replacement. <laughs> so right now in this moment, you can feel it right now. Some of you haven't, haven't cried in the presence of God in years. I just feel those tears flowing right now in Jesus' name. The Spirit of God is flowing over His people right now. So if that's you, I ask you to be bold. You say, Matt, I don't know Jesus. I don't know what He looks like. I don't know what what His voice sounds like. I don't know what His presence feels like. Right now, there's a moment. There's coming a moment right now where you can respond and say, Jesus, I want to know You. Because can I tell you, a church service doesn't save Worship songs don't save. Even a salvation prayer can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. And He is a person and He can be known. Amen. So right now, I'm asking you, be brave, be bold. And on the count of three, I just ask you to shoot up your hand and say, I want to know God. Just in your heart, just say, Jesus, I want to know You. It's not to embarrass you. It's not to point you out and make fun. We've all been there and we will celebrate this decision. Are you ready? So one, Jesus loves you more than you could ever know. Two, He is going to set you free from whatever you have been dealing with in your life. Three, shoot up the hand. Come on, it's the best decision you've ever made in your life. Amen, amen. There's multiple hands here. Just keep them up for a moment. Jesus, touch these people. Touch them right now with your spirit. Right now, flood over them right now in Jesus' name. Touch them with your love. Touch them with your spirit, Lord God. If you came here with a friend and you know they they have never met the person of Jesus, we're going to go into the school of ministry right now and I'm making every single one of you evangelists. Is that all right? So I want you to turn to that person. If you think they need to go up there, be bold. If you won't do it here, you won't do it out there. So just turn to the person beside you and say, do you know Jesus? Do you need to put your hand up? Do you need to put your hand up? Come on, be bold. Be bold. This is the moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we're going to pray. And I just ask the whole church to pray this with me. And if you've lifted up your hand, I want... This not just to be words, but I want this to come from your heart. Romans 10 says, If you believe 
in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So are you ready? We're going to pray this together. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Lord Jesus, I come right now and I give my life to you. Take it from me, Lord God. And I receive your life, your spirit, your nature. In Jesus' name. Lord God, I repent from everything else. I turn from all this world has to offer. And I turn to you right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him a hand, church. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.